TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. All right, we've had many conversations over time about whether kids have enough to do in Kansas City and if we should be creating more stuff for them to do so they don't go get into trouble all the time. Uh, There is now a proposal, albeit not a cheap one, for (laughs) a youth entertainment district in Kansas City. What, you don't have $39 million just hanging around? I mean, not just sitting like in the couch cushions (laughs) anywhere. Shake them a little bit. Shake them and you never know. You never know what you might find. But yeah, uh, I, first of all, applaud the idea. I don't know where the $39 million is supposed to come from, but I applaud the idea for exactly the reason that you said. It's not just here. I mean, yes, we sit around and say, what are these kids supposed to do with themselves? There's nothing for the, especially the under 18s to be able to do that will be fun for them, but supervised enough to keep them, you know, from having real trouble erupt and all that. So the idea needs to happen and cities across the country are going through the same thing. $39 million. What are we going to get for the money if it happens? So this is out of Fox four. If you want to check it out. Um, it is the idea of Pat Clark, who has the Pat Clark Outdoor Arena. And this is in the same area. This is the um, Oak Park neighborhood. Okay. Uh, Pat Clark is the guy's name. That's his That's his venue there. And he says for a couple of years, he'd been working on this much larger project. They're looking at locations. Floodplain seeds to be an issue. Brush Creek is kind of where they're looking. Um, but he envisioned something that would include a bowling alley, a pool, zip line, skate park, and amphitheater. The location that they're looking at is land that belongs to the parks department. And again, they got to figure it out because part of that area is in a floodplain. And again, another obstacle could be funding, he says. Could be, <laughs> you think? <laughs> his, his quote is, and I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to take this statement, I got $39 million. You just can't see it yet. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know what that means. Exactly. It's that invisible money. In other words, he has pledged donations. Of $39 million uh, and we're just now hearing about that's, it? That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. I, and, and the fact is, you and I don't need to see it yet. But Correct. the Parks Department sure as heck does, and investors and everybody else is going to need to see that money on the southeast corner of a financial statement before any of this stuff moves forward. And there are ways even to to deal with the fact that some of the, the ground is in a floodplain, because what you do is you build the, out, the outdoor stuff there. A skate park isn't going to float away. 
and it, you're right. not, you know, poured concrete, you're not going to do a lot of damage to it. Even if it gets flooded, you just wait for the flood waters to recede and everything's fine. Um, and you put the more, you know, the indoor contrivances, the bowling alley and the rest of that stuff in the area where the floodplain isn't. But I think, I mean, I, I love the concept of it. I think that's exactly the right way to go because not every kid is an outdoorsy, basketball-y kind of, you know, skate park-y kind of kid. You need something that's going to be available to everybody. So... It's making news because this got initial approval from uh, Kansas City Parks and Rec Board Committee. Good. I have questions like, who is paying, is $39 million must be the upfront costs. So is this um, an entity of the city or is this private? It sounds like he wants it to be at least semi-private. That, that okay. at least this is, this is going to, you don't do something like this if it's not going to make you money. Okay. So then... Who is going to provide security? Who? It just sounds like a really big effort. Yep. It, it sounds like how many hours a day is it going to be open? Who, what ages are you going to allow in? Um, are you going to be open only until curfew or past curfew? Who's going to staff it? Who's going, is it going to have a CEO? I mean, is there going to be a board? It, it just, it feels like a bigger project than... He's making it seem definitely well, and, and you can play with that a little bit, too, and game out the idea of saying uh, like we had there were a couple of clubs that were teen clubs when when I was in high school uh, and they were, you know, dance club kind of things. The, the, the one thing that wasn't addressed in this is kind of the multimedia affair, but we can get back to that because uh, I think that's going to attract a lot of kids in, too. But the rule that they had was if you were um, if you were under 18, you had to be gone by eight o'clock. If you were okay. 18 to 21, you could stay between uh, between then and I think it was midnight, maybe, when the whole thing shut down. And if you were over 21, you were not allowed in because they didn't want anybody bringing booze in. Okay. Uh, 913-586-7798. I love the idea. I love that somebody is taking the lead. This is what we want to have happen. Yes. We want community members to take the lead. I love that so much. And says... I'll get behind this and here's what it's going to cost. And I'll, I'll work with the city to get it done. I love that. Give us theorized details. Feel free to, to pitch in here on all the things we just asked about. Somebody just asked in the text line, what's the location? We don't particularly know yet. They're talking. Um, there is parks department land along brush Creek between Elmwood and Cleveland Avenue floodplain problems but like john said you could yep. you could overcome that i i think the point that they're looking at and this is telling is that it's land the city already owns which will save him especially if nothing's being done with it that'll save a lot of money yeah exactly i mean if uh, if all it's there now for is for joggers to look at as they go past well it could be serving another purpose um right. uh, yeah i'm trying to compare it again to some places that i've known about in the fairly recent past where, uh, yeah, one of them in the little town in Illinois where we lived uh, was called Soccer Park. And, and it had an indoor soccer arena, but it was a lot more than that. And the thing that I, I see as missing, at least in the description that we have so far, is, let's face it, uh, you know, I know there's a big argument about screen time and how much you mm -hmm. know, time kids spend in front of it. But if there's not that, if that isn't at least a part of it, then you're going to have a whole lot of kids who are going to go, I don't want to go there. I'm going to sit in my own house in front of my video games, which is what I want to do anyway. Yeah. How do you get kids to go? Yeah. How do you make it cool? What's so the that they'd rather go thing. do that? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just said on the text line, we already have enough money wasted in Kansas City, like the Ferris wheel. 
We have way more important infrastructural needs in Kansas City. Street maintenance comes to mind. Let me just point out, not all money can be used for all things. Yep. We talked about with this, this with the airport. There are dedicated revenue streams and taxes that go and different things that we pay for on our property tax bills that go for different things. You can't just move money around like that. I don't think the Ferris wheel is a waste of money. I think that is, especially once that site gets built up with everything else they're talking about, entertainment is not wasted money. That is an investment that we put in our city. Especially when you're talking about kids who are, I mean, if if you take the 14 to 18 year olds and say, okay, right now they're largely left with very little to do and left to their own devices. I remember being a 16-year-old boy. That's a recipe for disaster. So if you ask me, is it worth the money to invest in in a project like this? That, look, if it keeps a kid from getting shot, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's worth the money. Um, and, and more so than that, I mean, not to get that dramatic with it, not everything ends with somebody dying. Right. But if, if you have a place where these kids can be in an environment where it's just them where where they're on their own but like i said supervised enough so that it's not going to get out of control you're not going to have fights breaking out all the time and they can just be in an environment where they're going to meet other kids and it's all going to be fairly cool again i think that's well worth the investment uh that's not to say we don't have infrastructure needs of course we do again every city does but I think given, uh, given especially teenagers, something to do that's going to be safe and fun for them and attractive mm-hmm. for them to be a part of, that's a need. Uh, somebody's just asking, how are, how are the kids going to get there? Are parents going to bring them there? I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe their kids that are over the age of 16 are going to bring them are going to help get kids there. And you're talking about places where there's bus lines and, you know, and, and other kinds of uh, available conveyance to be able to get you there and you know it's going to be just like it was when we were in high school the younger kids are going to ride with the older kids right i I would just encourage everybody don't look for all the all the reasons why you think it's going to be a disaster like how do we make it work what could make it succeed exactly yeah yeah well because we need it i definitely there there's a purpose for it i love that the ferris wheel now debate is happening why does everybody (laughs) hate the ferris wheel why is that the source of so much ire (laughs) Ferris wheel is going to be a flop. It's an I-35 wreck waiting to happen. It's a disaster. It's in the What's the pro? Why does everybody hate the Ferris wheel? I, I had no idea. I only saw it for the first time uh, maybe a week ago, week and a half ago. And I thought, oh, well, okay. Yeah, that's fairly cool, I guess. I don't know. I don't hate it. <laughs> I it, it hasn't even opened yet. Like, give it time <laughs> to get the site developed for crying out loud. I, I, don't, I don't get... Boy, we just hate change in this city man how dare we have a new thing it will be a disaster yeah well wow i mean still spend a little time in st louis you'll find out we're not as bad as you think we are about that. <laughs> <laughs> however yeah I, I do see a little bit of it creeping in uh, yeah here and there i just yeah i think you know an idea like this is something whether it happens with public money private money blah 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 blah, blah. okay th- those are all things we can debate and and again i think there are going to be uh cogent points that can be made on both sides of an issue like that but to say that we don't need it I think that's too far. I think we absolutely do. Start with one thing with it. Start with a big arcade yeah. that's kids only. Start with the thing that you know is going to be the, you know, the shiny thing that's going to get them in the door. And then do the other stuff, and you've got to have it be year-round. So if you're going to do a pool, you got to have other stuff that kids can do inside in the winter. Sure.
If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. We will take a break here. We will uh, do a bit of an update on what happened with the guy that tried to turn off the plane's engines. That's still to come here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Okay, um, Ross Feinstein is a reporter that I follow on Twitter. Um, he just does a really good job following aviation news that comes out. Um, strategic communications professional is what he calls himself. Nonetheless, uh, he got a hold of the criminal complaint now. Uh, federal court is where this off-duty commercial pilot also is going to be charged here. We heard about the 38 counts yesterday. Yeah of attempted murder that was going to come out for this guy that, that tried transposed. to turn off the it engines. 83. Was it not 83 That counts? would make more yeah. sense than eight. Yes, correct. My brain is doing too many things at one time. You're right, it's 83. <laughs> so that's one thing. But now in federal court, he's also gonna be charged. So the, the complaint has been released detailing exactly how this happened in the cockpit. There's not that much to it. No, uh, there's not. And I guess that's really kind of the terrifying thing to me about this is that it seems to have gone badly very quickly where when he got on the plane and we were right about this when we were talking this through uh, the other day that he was in fact deadheading he was a pilot but he was not a pilot on that flight that he was just sitting in the little jump seat that's in the cockpit behind where the pilot sits uh, on that same side, which would, I guess, be like the driver's side of the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're sitting directly behind the pilot, and he was just trying to get to his next stop because he had another flight to take, mm-hmm. which we'll come back to, and and all of a sudden just started saying something. I'm, I'm sure you've got the quote in front of you. It was something along the lines of, I'm not right. Yeah, he says, I am not okay. I'm not okay. That's what it was. Yes. Yep. They were about halfway between Astoria, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon, those two cities are very close to each other. I mean, they're 60 miles apart, maybe not even. Um, As the aircraft headed south, while sitting in the cockpit jump seat, Emerson said, I am not okay. Uh, Again, you got two pilots up there. Pilot two turned and observed him reaching up and grabbing the red fire handles and pulling them down. The other pilot said, after they were being interviewed by the police, he said that by pulling those red fire handles that effectively activates the aircraft fire suppression system used to put out aircraft engine fires. And he said that would shut off the fuel supply to the engines, which this pilot would know because he was about to fly on one of these planes the next day. Yeah, and I don't know if it's opening any doors for you, but shutting off the fuel supply to the engines while you're in flight, bad idea. Seems not, seems a good way to take that plane down. Yeah, and and it's a, it's a little scary to have that. I mean, I understand why they have the fire suppression system there, but uh, you would hope that it wouldn't allow you to do that while the plane was in flight. And it really just seems like he snapped. They asked these pilots, hey, was he okay Yeah. the rest of the flight? And they said he was fine. They said he engaged in casual conversation with them about the weather 
at the beginning of the flight, he told the pilots that he had been working for the airline for 10 years. And again, he was going to fly one of these planes the next day. And then all of a sudden, he threw his headset across the cockpit and announced, I am not okay. And then starts pulling handles. And that, I, I mean, for, for him to go squirrel like that, I mean, just in, in the space of no time at all, where they didn't notice anything wrong with him, the one thing that everybody keeps wondering about, and I think valid, it, it's a valid concern, is if this had happened 24 hours later than it did when he mm-hmm. was on the flight that he was in control of, they likely would not have been able to save that plane. Yeah, Um which he's not gonna have to worry about now yeah no he's not gonna fly again (laughs) he's he's he he may not be boarding a plane again for the rest of his life yeah i think he's done yeah um so they so they observe him do this he grabs both the handles and then they wrestled with him which is exactly what you want happening in the cockpit (laughs) isn't it though yeah by the way thank you automatic pilot Right. Nothing that your feet could hit or anything like any buttons that could be bad or anything. But they said they had to wrangle him for several seconds before he stopped what he was doing. The second pilot declared an in-flight emergency, turned autopilot off, changed the course to fly to Portland. They got this guy out of the cockpit and then they secured the cockpit door. You know, there was one other detail in this that I thought was fascinating. And I mean, because there have been interviews with a lot of the passengers since this incident happened. Mm-hmm. And some of them were saying, yeah, as soon as they announce that there's an in-flight emergency and we're going to have to make an emergency landing, as you might imagine, there was a lot of not panic, but there were a, mm-hmm. there was a lot of concern that went through the plane. And they asked one of the women who was on board after the, the plane landed what happened? What did they say to you? And to their credit, Alaska Airlines, whoever the flight, like the lead flight attendant was, told them this is what happened. Because, I mean, they had to subdue this guy. Then they had to take him out of the cockpit in view of all of the other passengers and get him subdued in the back of the plane. Uh, and, and they told the passengers after he was taken off the plane, he had a mental break. And that's why we had to do this. Did you see Section 8? I don't know if you've got the criminal complaint in front of you. It's Section it, Section 8 describes what happened for the duration of the flight after they got him out of the cockpit. Listen to this. So, so they're interviewing flight attendants. So they get a call from the cockpit that this guy was losing it and needed out of the cockpit. He was observed peacefully walking to the back of the aircraft. He told a flight attendant he just got kicked out of the flight deck. No big deal and said to the flight attendant, you need to cuff me right now or it's going to be bad. So they sat him in a flight attendant seat in the back of the aircraft. They put cuffs on his wrists. During the, during the descent, he turned toward an emergency exit door and tried to grab that handle. And they stopped him by placing their hands on top of his hands. Again, he's cuffed and he's doing this. Yeah. Um, then they just chatted with him to try to distract him from grabbing the exit handle again. And then he started making statements like, I messed everything up and that he tried to kill everybody. Then he started texting people, took out his phone, tried to text people, and then was heard saying he had just put 84 people's lives at risk tonight, including his own. Like he was out of it for a minute and a half and then suddenly came to. It came to, yeah, but but even he recognized that he was still a danger at that point. Telling them, mm-hmm. you need to cuff me or this isn't going to go very well means that, yeah, he was somewhat lucid 
but he was also still very, very dangerous. And boy, you want to. We know so little. We, we just know so little yeah. about any of what causes any of that to happen. I'm I'm a little curious. Well, more than a little, I'm a lot curious. When he said, I messed everything up, was he only talking about what he just did in the cockpit? Or was something else going on that drove this guy over the edge? And we don't know yet. So when interviewed by police, because this is in here too, he said... Um, he had been a pilot since 2001. He said he had not slept in 40 hours. He said he felt dehydrated and tired, confirmed that he sat in the cockpit and said, I didn't feel okay. It seemed like the pilots weren't paying attention to what's going on. They didn't, it didn't seem right, he said. And so, yeah, I pulled both emergency shutoff handles because I thought I was dreaming and I just want to wake up. Wasn't taking any medication, but said about six months ago, he became depressed. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about that other than it's, I, it could easily have happened when he was the, the, you know, the primary pilot on that next flight. Everybody just needs to be thankful that it didn't, that it happened when and where it happened, and that these two other pilots were able to, to subdue him and get him under control. And acted really quickly. Yeah. I mean, paid attention to when he said, I don't feel okay. And we're able to wrangle him away from those handles. Did you hear the cockpit voice recording? Dana had this on the, no. on the show yesterday afternoon. It's uh -uh. It, it, the, the stunning thing about it, it's not there during the altercation, but just afterward, after they get him out of the cockpit, because mm -hmm. the pilot had to communicate that to the tower. He was as even keel. It always stuns me about, uh, about airline pilots that they can go through something that most of us would leave a giant spot on the seat after. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, we had a guy up here, and, uh, yeah, we had to subdue him. They, they've got him in the back of the plane. Uh, we're going to need law enforcement to meet us at the gate. I mean, it sounded like he was on the phone with his wife going, okay, we need to get a laundry detergent, and we're going to need uh, some, you know, uh, some more chunky soup. It sounded like a laundry list. The guy was totally even, and I was like, uh, he wasn't even breathing heavy. It was just incredible. Have you ever listened to the cockpit voice recorder of when Captain Sullenberger put the plane down on the Hudson? I have, yes. It's been a while, it's, but I remember hearing it at the time. It's exactly that. It's absolutely calm under the craziest of situations. That's got to be training, right? Because yeah. the, the, they're not going to be able to understand you. If you're freaking right. out and panicking and calling the tower and going, I can't believe that, they're not going to hear a word you're saying. So you have to keep it under control and to their credit absolutely 100 percent, they did yeah when he said we're gonna be in the hudson it's like he said yeah we're gonna we're gonna go have lunch yeah we'll, we'll and, see you in an hour yeah. <laughs> yeah just amazing if you have thoughts here 913-586-7798 uh we'll take a break be back here in just a couple of minutes on kmbz business in northern colorado because i love the objective behind paying a subcontractor it's debt in change that weighed more than three tons. <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't work out exactly the way that they thought it was going to, because I mean, you'll, from time to time, you'll hear about things like this, where uh, I had a friend who was in the middle of a landlord dispute many years ago and paid his final month's rent in Susan B. Anthony dollars, you know. <laughs> 
Okay. Just, just to be that kind of final, what they describe in this uh, in this article is a quote major fu. <laughs> so, yeah, the the problem is uh, in this case, yeah, the Diane Danielle Beam, an attorney who represents the plaintiffs, fired up Fabrication LLC, called the coin delivery quote a symbolic middle finger. And, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they said one box of these things weighed 3,000 pounds. And uh, there was another that weighed 6,400 pounds. And the, you know, the woman who runs this place was saying, I couldn't even move these boxes, much less accept this as payment. It was a lot of money, and it was not just quarters or not just dollars. It was a little bit of everything. You know, quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies. Uh, I'm sure there were some, you know, silver dollars in there as well. Just a mix of loose coins. So not only would you need a forklift to move it, you'd also have to count it and verify that, that you know, it was the right amount for the payment. Here's the thing, though. When this is done, there is a popular myth that you have to accept cash payment. And if you don't, it cancels the debt. That is not true. That was never true. Uh, but there, there are enough people that believe it that they've just figured, okay, well, I guess it's it's money. I have to take it. What option do you have? If, if Because my fear would be if I don't accept it, they're not going to pay the debt any other way. Yeah, you know, you, you and they may not, but you can still sue them over it. And you would be entitled to the debt if you beat them in court. So that's what they were trying to avoid is getting sued. So they were like, okay, fine, we'll pay your money here. Have it in, have it in loose change. And, and you don't have to accept that payment. It doesn't get rid of the debt if you don't accept cash payment. So the way this worked, um, JMF Enterprises hired Fired Up Fabrication as a subcontractor to do welding work on an apartment building. Fired Up Fabrication later sued JMF saying it was not paid in full. They fought about it. In July, they went to mediation. JMF agreed to pay the subcontractor $23,500 to settle the financial dispute. It did not specify how the settlement amount should be paid. <laughs> and that was a mistake uh, in retrospect, because then the call came from the driver of a flatbed truck who said, I'm parked near your office and I have the settlement for you. It was a two by three by four box filled with coins weighing more than 6,500 pounds. Said it was, it was a mix of loose coins. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even rolled coins. So uh, in court pleadings, and and look, if you're going to do something like this, at least own up to it. So J yeah. JMF's attorneys wrote, the coins, being current coin of the realm, constituted a tender of the settlement funds, and therefore JMF has complied with the terms of the agreement. The settlement agreement did not outline any specific form of payment, but went on to say... JMF has no intention of harassing the plaintiff, wasting time, or frustrating the settlement. Yes, you do. That's exactly <laughs> what you wanted to do. Come on. Uh, she said she couldn't accept the coins because the freight elevator in the office in downtown Denver <laughs> couldn't carry more than 3,000 pounds. I don't know what she did with it. Uh, she couldn't accept it. Yeah, what do you do? Just send it back? You can't just leave it sitting in the parking lot. Somebody's going to take it. Yes. Um, so this now is going to go back to court so that they can try to sort this out. Additional a bit more. attorney's fees. Isn't everybody happy about that? Yes. All right. We're going to take a break uh, early here. If you missed our conversation earlier, we talked to a couple out of Liberty who had been in Israel when the fighting broke out. They are back and are telling their story is just so we could have talked to them for an hour. It was just so compelling. We're going to replay that for you coming up next here on KMBZ.
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.